following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. What's keeping you from being the best you can be? Whatever the issue, you can clear that obstacle and come out swinging. Welcome to Be the Best You Can Be with Dr. Linda Sanicola. On today's show, we will feature guest experts who can bring you the tools and ideas that you need to take the next step to your personal success. Now, here is Dr. Linda Sanicola. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Today, our topic is developing media literacy and especially how to avoid toxic media habits especially with children. In today's world, the media influence is everywhere, and most people don't even know where to start when it comes to evaluating what is best for themselves or their families. My guest today is Dr. Riva Tukachinsky. Let me tell you a little bit about her. She is an assistant professor in the Department of Communication Studies and the MS program in Health and Strategic Communication at Chapman University in Orange, California. She earned her PhD in communication with a minor in psychology from the University of Arizona. Her research lies in the realm of media psychology, namely how individuals choose, process, and can ultimately be influenced by media. In 2014, Dr. Tukachinsky launched a media literacy program for parents and caregivers. Working together with her students, she strives to assist caregivers in making informed media choices and facilitating family discourse that promotes savvy media consumption and healthy media habits. Welcome, Dr. Tukachinsky. Hello. Hi. I'm Thank so you for glad you're here. It, it's my pleasure. I'm so glad that uh, we have a chance to chat today because I know in my practice, this is something that I see parents struggle with routinely, and they just don't really know where to start uh, learning how to, um, to make good choices for their kids. Absolutely. Media are everywhere and we spend more and more time with it and start using it at an earlier age. And um, it's something that uh, some of those technologies are not even things that parents grew up with as kids themselves, so they don't even have a model to follow making those choices. So I do see a lot of confusion about what is the right thing to do or how do I choose media that is best for my child and concerns like that. Right. I like your term media consumption because I think it it creates a really good image to help raise our awareness of what we are doing when we engage with material in this manner. Right. And I I like thinking of media as a diet in a sense that you know we make those choices that can be more wholesome or can be more, you know, pure entertainment that uh, and and some choices can be less 
good for us, but they're still okay if you, you know, keep them under control. You, like, you can have a, uh, a candy occasionally, and there's no harm in that, but mm-hmm. if you base your diet entirely on the candy, that might have some consequences that right. you might want to avoid. So uh, and that's important for me to kind of start this conversation by saying I'm not against media. I'm not saying mm-hmm. all bad media are bad and you should ban them altogether or anything like that. I know that. Um, uh, well, let's let's start with that then. Let's talk about maybe some of the ways media is is helping us and and how it can be used in healthy ways to promote positive outcomes. Sure. So. Uh, so I, if, I will backpedal a little bit and say that um, the American Academy of Pediatrics does not uh, recommend having any media exposure for children under the age of two. And after that age, media can actually have positive and beneficial outcomes depending on the type of content that is being uh, consumed. So, for example, for preschool age children, there are a lot of shows that are um, promoting literacy, promoting uh, how educational value can promote altruism and positive pro-social behaviors and school readiness, uh, things like that, for example. Um, There are... uh, and in general, any media content, even media content that as a parent you might not approve, uh, this could be used as a, a, a teaching moment, a, a, a conversation topic that you can use to discuss issues with your child and promote certain perceptions and values and worldviews and, and, and have just a meaningful family conversation. So even media that are not designed to be educational can be used in a positive way within a family. Right, and and I think you're bringing up a, a really critical point, and that is that you have to talk to your kids. Absolutely, that's that's a huge thing, um, and I that that media oftentimes are thought off by parents as um, a, a way to get their children occupied, like an electronic babysitter, so to yes. speak. Yes. Uh, and 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 I I completely you know I'm a parent myself so I completely identify with it how easy it is to you know park your child in front of a TV set or give them the tablet while you grocery shop and get a few minutes of of childless life and be able to to do your chores or complete your phone conversation but this is not um the the way in which media can be used in a positive way really to 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 be um a good a source of educa- both educational or just promoting positive outcomes. Media is just think of it as like reading a, a book with your child. Like you are, mm-hmm. you are having this conversation with a child. You are discussing mm-hmm. it. You are. Uh, it's a shared activity uh, rather than a, you know a distraction to get your child busy while you're doing your own thing. Right. I think that's a really great point that it's a shared activity. Because I, I think a lot of parents don't really think of it that way, but that's so important, and that solves a lot of the the negative issues right. that we have and concerns that we have about media, doesn't it? Absolutely, because really, it's um, the parents are in this unique, powerful position to. To, to serve as role models for their children. And, and that means that you can um, 
whatever they see in the media, through discussion with the child, you can um, change the way the children perceive that media content and how they react to that and what, do they ta- what are their takeaways from the media. It is also, um, you know, as role models, parents also tell the child basically whether media is something that is worth attending to and worth emulating and, and uh, taking seriously. Uh, you know, if the parents are stuck with their face in the iPhone, you know, all the time, mm-hmm. that's a certain message that the child grows to, to learn and, and accept, as opposed to thinking of media in general as, you know, it's just one activity. It's great for certain things. It's great for educational purposes. It can be also just, you know, plain fun activity, which is, there's nothing wrong with having fun, right? Right. Uh, but 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 everything has its own time and place, so you have to have some media-free zones. So, say, mm-hmm. uh, uh, no TV in the bedroom or, or in the children's room, for example, or media-free time, like mm-hmm. dinner table, having a family right. conversation instead of everyone being stuck in, you know, in their own small screen, things like right. that. And they're, they're stuck in their own small world, too, I think, when they're in front of mm-hmm. that small screen. Right. You know, you don't know what they're thinking, or you're. It's not active engagement with the people exactly. in their lives. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And and it kind of takes over this important conversation. So for the younger kids, you know, learning happens through interaction in the real world, uh, mm-hmm. and media cannot replace it as an in, uh, any interactive app or TV, educational TV show will not do what an interaction with a caregiver gives the child. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and they have to have this real-life experience, building with the blocks with their own hands uh, rather than moving item, objects on the screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how they learn best at that age. They have their lifetime to you know, use technology and media. Um, but nonetheless, you know, t- uh, studies show that children uh, start consuming media regularly as young as, as six months or nine months of age. And that's just too early. And then, yeah, mm-hmm. then you have everyone, every person in the household has their own screen. They are consumed in it. They have their own world. They don't share and discuss it. That might kind of not fully use the potential in the media as a source of uh, conversation and, and meaningful discussion. Right, especially with little ones. I mean, it kind of scares me. I'm not I, I'm not up to date on the literature in this field, but I wonder what impact it has on that little developing brain and you know when that right, is right. replaced um, you know, it replaces one-to-one mm-hmm. contact and manipulation of objects and interaction with with the parent or right. caregiver. Right. So, so these are new technologies that continue to evolve, and the research is still relatively new in this area. But uh, from what I know, there are some various types of effects on, on the younger children, and there is a reason why the pediatricians recommend to avoid any screens, be it television, be it tablets or smartphones, uh, at, until the age of two. Uh, first of all, Television viewing in infancy uh, is 
associated with shorter attention spans uh, later in childhood. So you, there are uh, many studies that, that have been conducted, um, some of them tracking children for several years, showing the correlation between using those technologies at a younger age and as infants and their ability to or their diminished ability to concentrate for a longer period of time later on uh, as they enter school. That's pretty discouraging. Absolutely. No, it doesn't qualify necessarily for, you know, attention deficit disorders or something Mm -hmm. like that. But still, as a parent, it's a choice that you can make to enhance your child's ability, you know, to do well scholastically. um, And... Um, and that would be just one outcome that's been shown a number of times in different studies longitudinally. Mm-hmm. Um, other things like television in the room uh, when it's on and no one is actually watching. It's a very common practice. Um, I think I read that it's like 35% of kids live in homes where the mm-hmm. TV is always on. Is that right. accurate? Uh, there are different figures out there. I'm familiar with this survey of ages 8 to 18, kids ages 8 to 18, saying that 45% of them have a TV Ooh. on all the time. So, yes, yeah, so the figures are some. It's, it's somewhere between a third and or even higher uh, of households having this practice. Um, so that, that's something that seems to be very you know, unconsequential to most parents that I see, but studies do show that um, that can actually have a negative effect on children. Uh, For one, it diminishes the quality of the interaction that the children have with their parents. Uh, So even though they aren't actually looking at the screen, just being in the room where the TV is on reduces the number of interactions and the quality of those interactions. It also... Sorry. I was just going to say that's scaring me. You know, it's it's really uh, frightening when you hear like the the um, the statistics that you're sharing with us. Forty five percent is a huge number, in my opinion. And um, maybe we can talk some more about some of those negative impacts when we get back from our brief break. So we need to take a short break, as I say, and we'll be right back with my guest, Dr. Riva Tukachensky. We'll be right back. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Are you happy with your financial life? Or are you like most people, underachieving with your income, working your tail off without the rewards you deserve? Are you going through a boom or bust cycle over and over again, hitting an inner set point? Perhaps you are struggling with the same old issues over and over again. Are your finances a source of peace or stress? Is your money the root of your problems or the path to your freedom and empowerment? If you answered yes to stress and problems, then it's time to ask yourself one more question. What else is possible? 
Sign up for Dr. Linda Sanicola's six-week Tapping into Wealth Coaching program by visiting drsanicola.com. This program is designed to help you break through your unconscious wealth set points and experience the true freedom, creativity, enthusiasm, and rewards you were meant to have. Get started today at drsanicola.com. That's drsanicola.com. Are you happy in your life, or are you just settling? It's time to speak out, take control of your existence, and let your life speak. Bart Queen is the host of A Hero's Journey. His personal goal is to help you find your voice, use that voice, and live the life that you deserve to live. Do more, be more, and give more. Tune in to A Hero's Journey on the Voice America Empowerment Channel live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. You owe it to yourself to tune in and make your voice count. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Be the Best You Can Be with Dr. Linda Sanicola. If you want more information about Dr. Sanicola or our program, please visit DrSanicola.com. Again, that's drsanicola.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back, everybody. We are discussing today how to develop the skill of savvy media consumption and healthy media habits. We're talking with my guest, Dr. Riva Tukachinsky, who's educating us on these important matters. So before the break, we were just talking about some of the negative aspects of, uh, of media habits and undesirable effects on kids. Um, do you have some more of those you can share with us? Sure. So I, I, I was talking about um, the common practice of having television in the background as an example mm-hmm. and um, how it reduces the quality of the interactions in the room. But importantly, it also has negative consequences for the quality of the children's imaginative play. So even though they're not actually watching what's on the screen, their their play, their game activity is compromised. And uh, those pretend games are extremely important, the pretend play for children's mm-hmm. cognitive and emotional development. Right. Um, so, uh, so those things were documented both in laboratory settings and more observational studies. And we see a correlation uh, between the practice of having television in the background in the household, the TV just being on, and the uh, and uh, the children's ability to learn to understand other people's perspective or emotions. Uh, oh, so empathy. The, Development. So it's, it's, it's something that is called theory of mind, which is a uh-huh. kind of prerequisite for developing for empathy. empathy. Yeah. So yeah. the idea that um, it's it's an acquired it's something the children learn developmentally they they, they start developing it um, and, and mastering it around the age of four or five and children who grow up in a household where the TV is always on would be a little slower developing that ability. So this mm. ability to understand that other people have other motives and other understanding of the situation and other perspectives. So this ability to to think about others 
and take on their perspective is a little bit slower for children who grow up in a household where the TV is always on. Possibly, and that's right at kindergarten age. That's right, right where they're really starting to interact more and mm-hmm. kick more into the, the learning mode. Right, right. Wow. Okay. So, so, so this was just a few examples of very common things that that families are doing, and research might suggest that this is not necessarily the best practice. And again, I see that um, a lot of parents uh, uh, don't are not aware of the fact that the American Academy of Pediatrics has guidelines for how much TV is okay for children, uh, and. Uh, a lot of families exceed that recommended uh, allowance uh, or start media exposure much earlier, which makes sense because we have such a huge industry that promotes media content for younger and younger children mm-hmm. and apps for younger children and tablet holders for infants and things like that. So I, I believe that most parents just are not aware of those um, Right. Right, they need they need the information. They need to be educated on this. Like, what about things like um, having TV in the kids' bedroom? So here there are some. So so in general, what happens is that when the child has TV in their room, then. If you don't, as a parent, you have uh, less control over how the TV is used. So, how much time the child spends watching television? What are the programs that they are watching? So, all the pop- potential negative consequences of media exposure and this unsupervised media exposure can lead to more negative consequences overall. So, for example, we see a correlation between having TV in a room and risk for childhood obesity. Because an hour spent watching TV is an hour the child is not being active and playing and doing things outside. Mm -hmm. And also an hour spent watching TV could be an hour spent uh, watching commercial programs that have ads for, you know, sugary cereals and other unhealthy Mm -hmm. foods, um, which would be correlated with food preferences. And and that relationship has been established in many studies. So indirectly having a TV in the room is just, um, you know, having uh, uh, unsupervised, unknown content for unspecified, unknown amount of time. And, And that might be undesirable to some parents. You know, one of the other things that that I worry about as a psychologist when I see little ones with a, a TV in their bedrooms, are they don't perhaps necessarily learn to self-soothe as well as we right. would like right. because right. they're using that TV to fall asleep instead right. of learning the self-soothing right. skills. And that's right. really, really... Um, a challenge for mm-hmm. for kids and yeah. we want them to be able to self-soothe and that's so fundamental for so many skills in life. Absolutely, yeah. You are actually touching on two important things. One is there are studies that show having TV in the bedroom associated with sleeping disorders in children and more sleep-related problems in children. And the other one is exactly what you are saying, and the, the American Academy of Pediatrics specifically talks about the fact that it's important to teach children to self-soothe, as you were saying, and using TV as like an emotional pacifier is... Is, mm-hmm. is, a, is a concern in that regard, absolutely. Yeah, that's, 
That's a good term. I hadn't used that myself, emotional pacifier, but certainly that is what it is. And and I think the connection, at least from what I see in my practice, between not being able to self-soothe and the later development of some some anxiety and even anxiety disorders is, you know, a real concern. Right, right. Self-regulation problems. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So those those associations have been found in large-scale studies. Now, it's important to remember that what I'm talking about uh, when I'm referencing research is statistics that are based on a large scale. Right. And and I'm always telling parents, like, it's... Every child is different. Every mm-hmm. family is different. No two situations are identical. So do take everything with kind of a grain of salt but because everyone is different. But, but on the large scale, speaking of averages, that's definitely mm-hmm. a, a risk factor. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I think we're, we're coming at the information and perhaps deriving similar conclusions from very different perspectives because, mm-hmm. obviously, I work primarily one-on-one. And so I right, see right, the opposite right. of the large scale. I see mm-hmm. right. individual, and obviously these are anecdotal reports right. rather than a study, but I think mm-hmm. we're getting to the same place with it. I, which I, I find fascinating personally, but, yeah, it is. It's, it's very... Uh, and reassuring too. So. Yes, of course, <laughs> it's validating <laughs> for each exactly. perspective. I think. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, right. W- what else would you like to share with us? Are there any particular um, other negative or positive aspects before we go on to some other things? Uh, sure. So, um, in. I mean, most parents, when I'm talking to parents, at least my impression is from talking to parents, most parents are concerned with things like media violence or sexual content in the media. And uh, some parents are concerned with how to uh, restrict the children's viewing or what would be the right practices to do, how to go about it, what makes good um, television use rules or things like that. Uh, so, so. In general, I think parents are mostly concerned about media violence and, and sexual content in the media, and studies do show that um, the, this content is highly prevalent in the media um, and that it can have consequences for children learning aggression or uh, becoming more fearful or becoming desensitized to violence, so not 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 being as caring or empathetic or being uh, more indifferent towards other people suffering when because they saw so much violence on on TV or in the mm-hmm. movies or violent video games that they just don't are not as easily moved by real life violence uh, so those concerns are um, consistent with what the data sh- shows um, and I always I, I am even concerned like parents might say, Oh, we just watch the news or well the news is filled with horrible information and right. you know uh, reports of just devastating violence. Mm-hmm. And I think certainly kids do not need to to be exposed to that either. And oftentimes I I say to parents, if they have an anxious child, turn mm-hmm. off that T V. Right. And and that's another thing that different so, so developmentally speaking, children are afraid of different things at different stages of their development. So right. perhaps for the very younger kids, for example, uh, usually it's uh, something that looks scary or mm-hmm. looks bad will be scary even if it's 
not necessarily a bad character like uh, mm-hmm. the, the Incredible Hulk, for example, because mm-hmm. he's green and big and transforms, and that's what scares them. Uh, like the, the witch in uh, um, Snow White. She doesn't mm-hmm. look scary to them until she becomes the ugly you know, character that later on in the story. Uh, so things like news might be more... Um, fear-provoking in ch- o- a little older children and children like eight or nine or that start being concerned with questions of personal safety and not getting harmed and things like that. Mm-hmm. Not so much the younger kids. But obviously, if a child has pre-existing an anxiety or disposition, then it will be amplified by what they see in the media. So, again, every child is different, and a child that has a disposition uh, will will be more impacted. Right, right. So it's really, you know, there's, um, um, like you said, um, uh, an interface, if you will, between the individual needs of this particular child versus what we know about kids in general. Right, exactly. Right, right. yeah, I'm just thinking about how how we need to get this information available, made available to to parents because it, it's so critical, and right. even the the positive side as right. well. I right. think people right. need to right. know. Right, I'm happy to talk about it more, but I just wanted to say that I the, like feeling this need in the community. I was working with my students to develop a media literacy program to to share it with parents in our community here in Orange County, and so we partnered with uh, Orange City Public Library uh, to, to deliver it to parents and uh, I am seeking partners in the community with schools or, or other organizations to, to keep doing this work and, and getting the word out uh, to parents. That's great. I'm so glad to hear that because I think it's so needed. And we are going to take another short break, so stay with us. We'll be right back with my guest, Dr. Riva Tukachinsky. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Are you happy with your financial life? Or are you like most people, underachieving with your income, working your tail off without the rewards you deserve? Are you going through a boom or bust cycle over and over again, hitting an inner set point? Perhaps you are struggling with the same old issues over and over again. Are your finances a source of peace or stress? Is your money the root of your problems or the path to your freedom and empowerment? If you answered yes to stress and problems, then it's time to ask yourself one more question. What else is possible? Sign up for Dr. Linda Sanicola's six-week Tapping into Wealth Coaching program by visiting drsanicola.com. This program is designed to help you break through your unconscious wealth set points and experience the true freedom, creativity, enthusiasm, and rewards you were meant to have. Get started today at drsanicola.com. That's drsanicola.com. The last time you saw sparkles of life in your day. Each day holds a treasure, the extra in the ordinary. It is too easy to miss them because they're familiar and we take them for granted. If you want to add sparkle to your day, listen to Mighty Gems, spotlighting everyday jewels with D. Lee. 
She offers a new way to view the world and to discover your own mighty gems in daily life. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are tuned in to Be the Best You Can Be with Dr. Linda Sanicola. If you want more information about Dr. Sanicola or our program, please visit DrSanicola.com. Again, that's DrSanicola.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back, everybody. We are talking today about the topic of developing healthy media habits with my guest, Dr. Riva Tukachensky. So um, we were talking during the break a little bit about just the importance of talking to your children because in so doing, you find out what their perceptions are, what what was the take-home message that they experienced from that particular TV show or even commercial or whatever it may have been. So uh, I just think it's so critical to, you know, listen and and to talk. Always with parents, I'm reminded of the... The old saying that God gave us one mouth and two ears because we're supposed to do twice as much listening as talking. <laughs> so, let's, um, with that in mind, let's talk a little bit more about some of the healthy media habits. Can you share some of those with us, please? Sure, absolutely. So, just to kind of recap, um, starting media exposure gradually after the age of two, not exceeding two hours a day, and obviously keeping it at lower is, is good, so gradually increasing it. Uh, choosing some wholesome media programs that are appropriate for the child's developmental stage. Uh, so those could be... Uh, so. Television ratings um, is something that is, uh, is, uh, is a system that is uh, put in place and every TV show uh, or movie would be rated uh, for their content and appropriateness. And uh, parents can use those tools. Amazingly, a large number of parents um, don't know many of the television parental guidance ratings um, that are relevant for their children's age. Uh, so, so familiarizing yourself with those would be a great first step. And, and how do they how do they find out what those might be? I know sometimes I've seen a symbol on the screen, and I think, what the heck does that mean? Right. So, yeah, I know. Like, for example, FV. Do you know what that would mean? Uh, I only know because I I read your material. Otherwise, okay, not, yeah. So, you know, so most I, parents most parents think it's family viewing or something like that. It mm-hmm. actually means fantasy violence, right. uh, or or D stands for dialogue, suggestive dialogue. Who would guess? Most parents would say it's drama or drugs or just exactly. don't know. So, so all of those are actually available on the FCC, the Federal Commission website. Uh, also, um, uh, the, just uh, searching for you know the, uh, that information. You know, Wikipedia lists them. Um, we have our own media literacy website, and we 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 have those. Another great resource is um, there are a number of. Um, uh, or organizations that review um, television content, video games, movies, and write very detailed description of all the possible um, 
problematic things in those uh, media contents. So, because when you just know that it's D for suggestive dialogue, you don't know exactly w- how prevalent it is and how explicit it is and is it how bad it is, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, also those um, parental guidance are established by the media industry themselves, so it's not necessarily <laughs> consistently applied. So or, a great or thing accurate to, to outside ex- standards, Exactly, perhaps. exactly. So, for example, uh, an organization like commonsense.com, uh, they have wonderful resources. Say a new movie comes out and you want to see if it's right for your family. I mean, in an ideal world, you would watch it yourself and then make the informed decision, but it's right. not a realistic thing to do, right? So instead, you can go to a website like commonsense.com, and there are a number of other websites like that uh, where they will discuss the show and specifically list like all the violent acts that have been present on the screen, mm. or they will say exactly which, what are the, so to speak, bad words that have been used there. Instead of just saying, oh, it's you know, rated for language, they will tell you what are the words that have been used and how frequently they've been used. So you make up your own decision, informed decision, on whether it's appropriate for your family and for this particular child. Well, that sounds really like a great resource for parents. Yes, absolutely, and they do, and they do it for movies. And there, again, there are a number of those um, organizations that that pre-review or pre-screen media content like that. Um, also, another idea is so basically, you want to restrict, especially for younger children, exposure to certain media. But as children grow up, it's not realistic to restrict their exposure because mm-hmm. they are, you know, they go to their friends or they can mm-hmm. use media without the parents' knowledge, and you start having this forbidden fruit effect when something that is they are not allowed to watch it actually increases their attractiveness. It's attractive. Of course, yes, absolutely. Uh, so as a parent, you you will be better off by giving the, ch- the child um, the tools and the resources to be a, a sophisticated media consumer rather than just banning media exposure. Mm-hmm. And that's when uh, watching together and discussing comes into play. And it's important to stress that there needs to be discussion. Just watching together without discussion actually can have the opposite effect because it is uh, just comes across as a silent approval of what they see on the screen. So if you watch together something violent and you don't say anything to the child, the child kind of learns that violent message and it's reinforced by your presence. Right. So, so watching together and discussing the media and, and thinking about how that will be uh, appropriate for the child's age and developmental stage. So um, for younger children, it needs to be more kind of instructive, telling them, like, this, not, this is not a nice thing to do, as opposed to older children where you can have more of an open-ended conversation. What do you think about this? And do you think it was the right thing to do? And what should you do differently in a real-life situation, like having it more of a dialogue? You know, Um, I just think what you just said about a real-life situation is so important because when we're watching movies or TV, kids don't always understand the distinctions between mm -hmm. what's real or what's not real. Right, right. And so you're bringing up the point of really helping them 
in addition to dealing with the particular content, understand the concepts of fantasy versus reality and, and how to judge what happens in real life versus what happens on the screen. Right, exactly. Uh, that's, I can, could not put it better into words. <laughs> so uh, that's, that's exactly, it's, it's a developmental stage. It is, uh, uh, and, and having those conversations with the parents is helpful because, once again, uh, the child, a young child can see a superhero doing all kinds of things and they will just try to imitate them and it's not going to have the same you know, outcome as right, it does. Right, in the they cartoon. injure themselves or someone else or, you know, exactly. it, can be, it can be really right. Uh, right. Uh, right. devastating in some ways. Right, right. One of the concerns with media violence is that children's uh, programming is packed with media violence and a lot of that violence is actually uh, performed by, by the superhero or the positive character that the children want to imitate and, and, and see as a role model. But then the consequences of the violence are completely unrealistic. The harm is not shown or is minimized. So children do need that help to understand that this is not a true dis- depiction of what happens in the real world. Right, right. And to understand things like, you know, when the character's dead, they're not coming back. Right, yeah, they're not means dead. Right, when 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 a piano falls on you, drops on you, you are not coming back in the next scene with a band. Right. Exactly. So, um, so those would be some some suggestions. Um, other. Uh, as, and, and, and I'll give you just one more example of how conversations matter. Um, do you know the show, there, there are those shows like uh, 16 and Pregnant or Teen Mom? Oh, yes. And uh, so they depict those high school girls that accidentally get pregnant and they suffer all kinds of negative consequences as a result. Usually their boyfriend leaves them, their relationship with the parents deteriorate, they have trouble at school and, and so on and so forth. So you would think that that would deter young viewers from you know, wanting to, to, to get pregnant. But there, several recent studies have shown that this is not necessarily the case. That right. for some Adolescents watching those shows create some glamorized kind of image right. of those of girls pregnancy. have their own reality TV show now. Right, right, and they appear on the cover of magazines and and have you know paparazzi around them and all of that, and it kind of glamorizes this experience for them and creates unrealistic and promotes more naive kind of perceptions of of, uh, um, of sex and even might promote more risky sexual behaviors uh, but it's really depend the what is the takeout message for those teens depends a lot on their relationship with the parents and obviously mm-hmm. this is a very awkward topic for a conversation and different families have different values and lifestyles but for those who do you know have children that already watch that show discussing this show and helping the children uh, realize what really is going on there uh, would have a positive effect on mm-hmm. their cho- on their children, whereas just having the child watch that show on their own might result in uh, actually more 
negative consequences for the child. And it really has to do, once again, with the idea that parents have to be willing to talk about maybe challenging or difficult subjects Mm -hmm. and engage with their child around this content. I know recently I had a, a teenage kid come into my office and he you know, we were talking about sex, and so he had said that his parents had never spoken to him about it. So anything he knows, he learned on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, yeah. dear. <laughs> oh, dear. <Right. laughs> so, right. you know, right. it's it's a reality in today's world, whether we like it or not. So mm-hmm. it's something right. we have to, to deal with. So we're right. getting ready to take one more short break. Uh, stay with us. We'll be right back with my guest, Dr. Riva Tukachinsky. up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you happy with your financial life or are you like most people, underachieving with your income, working your tail off without the rewards you deserve? Are you going through a boom or bust cycle over and over again, hitting an inner set point? Perhaps you are struggling with the same old issues over and over again. Are your finances a source of peace or stress? Is your money the root of your problems or the path to your freedom and empowerment? If you answered yes to stress and problems, then it's time to ask yourself one more question. What else is possible? Sign up for Dr. Linda Sanicola's six-week Tapping into Wealth Coaching program by visiting drsanicola.com. This program is designed to help you break through your unconscious wealth set points and experience the true freedom, creativity, enthusiasm, and rewards you were meant to have. Get started today at drsanicola.com. That's drsanicola.com. Should there be more to your life? Do you need a change? Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young will provide empowering commentary each week to encourage you. She will interview successful personalities from movies, television, business, technology, health, and academia. All of them have amazing stories resulting in transformed lives. You will learn how to discover real happiness, financial success, and fulfillment to live your highest purpose. Join her on Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. tuned in to Be the Best You Can Be with Dr. Linda Sanicola. If you want more information about Dr. Sanicola or our program, please visit drsanicola.com. Again, that's drsanicola.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back, everyone. We are talking today with my guest, Dr. Riva Tukachinsky, about media literacy. And I want to start by thanking you today, uh, Dr. Riva, because this information is so important. And I know almost all of the parents that I work with have the these same questions that you're addressing today. So I appreciate your time and, and your knowledge and, and your sharing that with us today. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me, and um, it was a wonderful conversation. 
Thank you. Um, and, you know, how can people find out more about the work that you're doing? So we have a website that has uh, some tip sheets and uh, links to other resources and other organizations uh, like the Common Sense uh, Media and other uh, organizations like that. Um, our website is uh, sites.chapman.edu slash media literacy in one word. So sites.chapman.edu slash media literacy. And what's uh, and that first word? Sites? S-I-T-E-S? Okay. S-I-T-E-S, correct. Okay, great. Thank you. And, and it's also possible to kind of get in touch with us and through that website. And then also on the Chapman University uh, website, just chapman.edu, uh, just looking for me among the faculty. Uh, I'm listed there, so my homepage has all the information about our work and the link to the media literacy program website. Um, that, that's very helpful. Thank you so much. And I know you just gave, as you mentioned earlier, a series of workshops for the community. And, and can people look forward to more of those, perhaps? Uh, yeah, the, the the feedback I received from the parents that have attended was, we need to do more of those and possibly maybe in the future doing a workshop where we work with the parents and at the same time another group of uh, instructors works with the kids for, you know, parents of all children that are school-age children. Um, so so we, we are certainly looking forward to having more workshops with parents and children and tailoring it for their needs and their specific uh, concerns. I think that's great, especially if you have a, a way to actually work with the parents and teach them how to ask the questions that you and I are talking about today. When we say talk to your kids, mm-hmm. you know, that means something different to everybody. So uh, there are specific ways, perhaps, mm-hmm. that w- people can right. be helped to learn the skill of engaging about these right. topics with right. their kids. Absolutely, absolutely. So we, we, we are doing like a mock practice talk, like, okay, this is a video. How would you talk about it with your child and depending on the child's age and, and have those um, kind of conversations? Absolutely. Yes, that's, I, I know parents really need to know that. And, um, you know, in, in our remaining time, could we talk a little bit about the idea of advertising to kids? Because I know, you know, and when they go to the movies, they see lots of ads, and then, you know, certainly on TV. Absolutely. Well, on TV, about 9 to 10 minutes of every hour spent watching TV is commercials, and children see about 25,000 commercials per year. Wow. Um, so, uh, it's a multi-billion dollar industry that is geared towards children that are a vulnerable population that do not have the developmental ability until the age of 10, probably, but certainly until the age of 5 to understand what commercials are about. So Mm -hmm. younger children until the age of 5 or so don't really make a distinction between programming and commercials. Even if they can apply the label and say it's a commercial, they say, what's the difference between the commercial and the program? Oh, commercials are shorter or they are funnier. So they don't mm-hmm. understand the idea of it has an intention to sell a product. Mm-hmm. And it, 
and even at an older age, they don't understand still all the persuasive maneuvers, all the uh, manipulation and biases that come with commercials. So certain uh, countries uh, would limit or ban entirely advertising for young children, uh, which is uh, not the case in the U.S. And uh, and, and it does uh, create a lot of conflict in the household when I think uh, almost every parent had a situation when the child would demand something they saw on a commercial because those commercials are designed to train the child to be a better nagger, to nag the parent more effectively. Oh, dear. <laughs> because most children don't make the purchase choices. It's the parent's choice, and that's what the proponents of commercials are saying. Well, we just put out the commercial. It's our freedom of speech. It's you as a parent make the choice whether to buy the product. But the thing is it's a multi-billion dollar industry that trains your child to nag you effectively to buy you the product. Right. And that, you know, as we go into the holiday season, it reminds me of of times when we see lines at the toy store or in the major Mm -hmm. department stores when a particular desirable product is sold out, you know, Mm -hmm. because that's what's perhaps been marketed that this Mm -hmm. year all the kids want a particular toy. And they don't come up with that on their own usually. Right, right. So, so those... So, so, same thing here. It's a restriction at a younger age, so that can be relying more on DVDs or streaming content that doesn't have commercials, just to avoid it altogether. But then, as the child grows up, and it's possible to teach the child the distinction between reality and fiction, so the exaggeration of the promise that the advertiser is making, and and. Uh, Having teaching the child to recognize the biases and the marketing strategies and the ext- and and the extent to which the, pro- the the promises is realistic and what happened last time when you got the, the the toy or whatever it was that was advertised that never worked the way it was you know presented in the commercial um, so so those types of conversations are helpful they are uh, great. Um, so PBS, for example, is a great uh, resource not only for educational television programming, but also they have a, a very nice website where they have games for children that teach them to identify ads that you don't think about a, a cereal box as an ad or someone is wearing um, a Nike product on a uh, like your your favorite athlete and that logo is a, an ad. So, mm-hmm. to, so it teaches the children to recognize advertising and understand biases, that when a celebrity is endorsing a product, it's not necessarily because they love that product. They've been just paid to make that endorsement. So developing those more uh, critical skills is something that parents' con- conversation with the child about ads that they encounter around them um, can, can achieve. Right, that's so powerful, and I think parents oftentimes need a refresher course for themselves uh, to, you know, remember that it is an ad or things that they might like or they might want, and and to realize this is some manipulation here. Right. So that's pretty powerful. Sorry, so just kind of finish on a positive note. I know that like we talked a lot about the negative aspects of media, but media can be educational, can be positive, can be just safe and fun activity to do. And at the end of the day, the parent has this powerful role in the family as a role model 
uh, to to navigate the child through this media world and give the child the skills that will make them a more critical and, and sophisticated media consumer uh, later yes. on. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Once again, I appreciate your your wisdom and your sharing it with us today. Thank you. And I hope that you will all join me next week as I welcome author, speaker, and the founder and president of the One Command Executive Success Coaching Program, Asara Lovejoy, who will be teaching us how to access the success that we are hardwired for. And to keep up with show news, please visit my Facebook page, Dr. Linda Sanicola. Thanks for listening today. See you all next week. Thank you for listening. Be the best you can be with Dr. Linda Sanicola can be heard each Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We hope to have you join us again next week. Thank you.